Welcome to Vibe Talk Awaken. I'm your host, Vibe Queen. On the show, we will get to know artists, entrepreneurs, and coaches living life in their truth after experiencing an awakening. We'll talk about their journey, wisdom, and any tools they've learned along their path. Thank you so much for being here. Hello and welcome to another episode of Vibe Talk Awaken. I'm your host, Vibe Queen. I'm so excited to have this week's guest, James Salazar. He is a young adult who accidentally became a wizard after being ill and healing his own relationship with his father. With close to 10 years of practice, he has decided to dedicate his life to helping others navigate through their family traumas as a Reiki practitioner and aromatherapist, passing the tradition of our human walk through and ancestral healing. James grounds people to unlock the rainforest of their hearts in order to root them here on earth by walking into the darkness with them to continue marching the march of the heart with integrity. He helps people who find themselves feeling lost and at a breakthrough point navigating them through family traumas to rediscover their magic and purpose. So beautiful. Welcome, James. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling privileged and uh, humbled to to be here, and I can't wait to uh, get this conversation started and then see where it takes us. Amazing. I have so many questions to ask you, so I'm very excited yeah. as well. <laughs> um, as always, we start every podcast with what is your awakening journey and uh, what got you to where you are today? Yeah, that's a great question, and, and it's always an amazing question because every time someone is curious or will ask that question, it allows me to really go back and revisit and also humble myself uh, to where I ha- to where I am and where I've walked and the experiences I've experienced so far. So my journey really started. Uh, we all have many transitions in, in our life, and I guess there. There are several turning points, and I guess I'll start with this one, um, because I can really trace it back to when I was a kid and being able to see certain things, have vivid dreams. But all of that was a, a culmination to this turning point when I was 19. A lot happened all at once, and it was very, very difficult for me to to really face that. And I ended up getting really sick. So when I was 19, I was working a lot. I was working to, to make ends meet, um, to help out, you know, my mom and dad, especially at this time, my, my dad was recently diagnosed probably within a year, I would say year, year and a half, uh, scleroderma, which is an autoimmune disorder. And I was working a lot at this time, 16, to 19 hour days sometimes and also going to school. And I was really, really, really burning myself out. And my parents, especially my dad, told me, you know, you don't have to do this. And I saw it in, in him and in my parents, they're the pit of me of hard workers. A lot of people work hard and to see them and have that example, I wanted to do right by them. And they told me, and that kind of planted the seed when my dad was like, you know, you don't, you don't have to do all this. You don't have to work this hard. And then little did I know at the time, this was 
a seed that would be watered more while I was at work. I used to work at the time at, at, at American Eagle and Old Navy. I'll do uh, logistics and, and also set up uh, the store, basically arrange it the way they wanted to look. So people would enjoy <laughs> as they walked in. Mm-hmm. And one night I was just, I literally paused looking at the mess around me as I was organizing this mess. I told myself, what am I doing? What are you doing? Is this why I'm here? Is this why my parents worked this hard for to come from a different country for me to do this? I'm not happy. This was the first step. And then my body started shifting. There was a restructuring, a rewiring occurring within my body and mind. And as my ego was fighting, as I was conflicted, no, let me continue working. Let me continue doing this. Let me not stick to my routine. Let me not work out. Let me not enjoy myself. Let me be sleeping in a zombie during important family events and not really be present. Mm. I got sick. I got hit with a, I never get sick with the flu that is just like some of the symptoms and, 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 and effects people are reporting with COVID on top of that I had strep. So I had to be given steroids and all these different things. And I had to face myself and (laughs) I was angry. I was pissed. I'm bedridden. I can't work. I can't do all this. I'm like, I hate this. I hate where I'm at. I hate that I had to put all this money into school. I hate that I'm not happy. I hate that I wasn't in family events. I wasn't really present. I miss birthdays. And I'm very family oriented. And to miss those things hurt, especially laying in bed and facing all these things you really don't like about yourself or you don't like that you're actually doing. For what? I asked myself, why? And in that moment, and that's the thing, right? We live moments in actuality and we all make decisions in each moment. In that moment, I just chose to live in a different reality. I no longer want to live and have its old ways of being. I no longer wanted to be tired. I no longer wanted to feel sick. I no longer wanted to feel apart. I told myself, I'm going to quit my jobs. I'm going to lower my, my course load in school. And I'm going to dedicate myself and actually declare myself a philosophy major, which I've always wanted to do versus radiology. I I, it's cool, but I didn't like it. Like, I did not like it. <laughs> and I was doing it more for others, family. And once I did this, I made that commitment to myself, this pact, which I believe was a spiritual contract for me to come back in this time and actually face the real challenges, not take the easy way out, actually go against the grain. Go against people who, who, who don't believe in you. 
go against people who would say, no, no, what are you doing? This is not the way to live life. You don't, you can't make money this way. You can't do this this way. But when I made that decision to believe in myself, bank, and who I was as an individual, everything just started slowly but surely coming in and pouring in. And it was beautiful. And this is what led me to meeting lifelong friends in Philosophy Club, who I was able to build a business and start from the ground up. I was able to get introduced to Reiki and have some truly healing sessions. This led me to a book I picked out in high school, probably the year prior. I didn't know why, but it called me and I reached for it. I didn't read it that year, but this year, that year, I did. And that's where I got introduced to meditation. This is where I got introduced to chakras, solar plexus. And I talk about the solar plexus a lot because in that time, it was a solar plexus error for me. A lot of work, a lot of self-doubt, a lot of resentment that I needed to move and uncover to really hone into my empowerment. Solar plexus is about power, your self-empowerment. And at that moment, I chose to empower myself. And once I meditated for the first time, and I'll tell everyone, it was not easy. I had monkey mind, puppy thoughts, you know, and I couldn't sit still for, for two minutes. But those two minutes made my forever. Those two minutes led me here. Those two minutes created everything for me. Hindsight speaking now, I didn't realize that in the moment. It was just more, oh, I got to sit a little, a little longer. But those two minutes gave me my world, gave me my life, gave me healing, allowed me to talk with my dad and, and, and let go, feel light. It allowed me to, oh man, that's the weight you were carrying? Are you serious? You, you, you got to get this off your shoulder. You have to get this off your back. It was just so immense. Two minutes. Two minutes. Gave me my everything. Allowed me to speak with my dad. Allowed me to acknowledge him. See where he came from. Why I, I wasn't okay with certain things when I was a kid. And actually acknowledge him and everything he went through. Actually see him. Why did he parent in, in a particular way? Why didn't I like uh, particular things? He wasn't knowingly doing the wrong thing. And I truly believe that. People don't knowingly do the wrong thing. Because in certain moments, people are not aware to the magnitude when they're in this fuzziness where things are a little murky, it's hard to see. Two minutes allowed me to see him and allowed him to see myself for the rest of my life. Now, it wasn't easy, don't get me wrong, but it was a step in me holding the conversation with him, positioning myself in such a way that came from a space of love in a moment saying, hey dad, can I talk to you for a second? Never in my life have I ever done that. 
we only talked about mainly really sports. And wow. That, and how did your dad take that? Was he receptive? Or was yeah. he like standoffish or was he open to, to sharing how he felt? That's the beauty of it. At the first attempt and the way I positioned myself, it's just, it was impossible. It was impossible because of how, what that empowerment I felt for the first time really in my life, bringing me back to that childhood confidence. Like, no, like, this is truth. This is, this is universal truth. This is love. And if I approach him in this way, it's impossible for him to truly reject it. Even if that moment he may not interpret it in, in the way maybe I had an idea of, but not attaching myself to it and knowing that he will receive it when he needs to. In that moment, he just so happy to receive it. And he was caught off guard. I never saw him that way. He never <laughs> saw me in this way. Hey, dad, inviting him, you know, to the conversation. I've never invited him into my world. Hey, dad, can we talk about this? And I told him, you're my dad. You've disciplined me. You've showed me ways of being. And now I see some of the lessons you taught me. Some were hard. But I understand a bit more. And I just don't want this rift between us. I just want to be your son. I just want you to be my dad. And I don't want anything to be in between us. And I was like, I love you. And I appreciate you for you. I could see it just me looking at him. You know, and he put my hand, his hand on my shoulder and he said that that's a beautiful thing for a son to acknowledge what you just did. And he turned off the TV. He normally stays up late, eyes watering, in dismay is the word that comes to me, dismay. He was kind of, he wanted to say more, but he said enough. And I understood that he said enough. And he went to bed. And that conversation put him to bed. Put him at ease with any discomfort he felt. And thank you for allowing me to see this again and in a, in a different way. It's just, it, your vulnerability, you allow others to be vulnerable with you and you co-hold each other's hands and in those moments. And in those moments, it was really, I didn't realize I was holding my father's hand as well, not only myself. Yeah, and <laughs> that, that was yeah, true. That was beautiful. really beautiful. We're like 15 minutes in. I'm ready to have a whole meltdown and start crying. So that's <laughs> wonderful. Um, I just love what you said. You know, when you're vulnerable, you allow other people to be vulnerable as well. 
And uh, I think the fact that you have that at 19, that's incredible. And it's funny because my, uh, I had a very traumatic event happen to me at 19 as well, but it took me a lot longer to get to where you are. And I recognize the love you're talking about because it's not a place of, okay, I'm going to have this conversation with my parent and I'm going to, you know, accept them making air quotes and I'm going to forgive them (laughs) and making air quotes again. You know, this is my moment and I'm, I'm healing, right? There's this sense of expectation still, and there's this sense of entitlement. There's still a sense of like, I want, I want validation from my parent. You know, I, I want to be good enough in my parents' eyes. Because I've, I've come from that place before in my healing journey with my mom and my dad, where I thought I was coming from a place of love, of pure love. But then when I didn't get the reaction that I was hoping for of like, oh, wow, you know, you're so amazing or thank you, I was disappointed. And I didn't recognize at that point in time in my journey that I wasn't really coming from pure love because I was still equating it to, am I good enough as a daughter? Mm. Am I good enough? You know, am I... I'm not getting that validation. And then in my case, I would then seek it outside of myself through alcohol, through relationships, through drugs, through, you know, new entrepreneurial adventures, whatever I could to distract myself because I was hurting. And often this stems from the mother wound or the father wound or whatever, because we didn't get that recognition. And then we want to blame it on them. But again, from what you said earlier, you know, it's never that they were doing it on purpose. They did the best they could with what they knew. And so I recognize what you're talking about because it took me so long to get to this place and it wasn't even planned out. It was a random conversation when I had that moment, like you had with your dad where you held his hand and I held my mom's hand and it, you know, we, we, we bonded and it was so beautiful and there was no attachment. There was no expectation. It was just, it was just, it was just, it was just love. It was just there. And it yeah. was so profound. And I literally felt my heart open up and I could feel it on her end too. And, you know, I was sharing this with you today before we hit record that um, I had this breakthrough. And it's so funny when I was going live on, on Instagram earlier today and I was sharing this breakthrough live and, you know, I was pretty much near tears. And my mom has never joined my Instagram live ever. And I've been going live every day for I don't know how long. And I was talking about her on the live and talking about, you know, my past with alcohol and this. And she joined my Instagram live. She's never on Instagram. Like, why would she join my live? And she lives in Germany. There's a time difference. Like, what are the chances? And I just had a complete meltdown. I was like, wow, like, I felt so connected. So with all that being said, my next question to you, and I'm very curious about this, is Reiki and energy healing. and just all of that. So can you share with us how you got into that work? How does it work? How can one get a Reiki session from a distance, not even be in the same room? Can you break that down for us? Because I'm actually very curious myself as well. Yeah, I'd love to. So Reiki uh, is a Japanese uh, modality of uh, energy healing. And with our body, just naturally, just uh, if we have stress, or if we're not eating properly, just to explain it in a simple way, um, our body starts feeling these effects and certain things start slowing down. For example, if we're eating uh, too many carbs or too much uh, bananas, let's say, uh, we start getting backed up. 
And that's kind of an essence what tends to happen uh, when we don't tend to certain uh, certain emotional needs. Uh, we don't tend to uh, how we're feeling. We don't tend to our body. Uh, maybe working out if we don't eat properly, we start getting backed up. Uh, not only physically, but energetically. And in our body, once we start getting backed up, they start calling these blockages within the body. And we start accumulating blockages within our body energetically, which means now, because there's this uh, misalignment or this uh, lack of harmony, let's say, in the moment within your body or your electromagnetic field, you then start building, building more fuzzy connections, more fuzzy frequency. It's not exactly aligned with yourself, with the earth and the universe. And then we start feeling certain effects. We start feeling certain traumas. We start getting certain tension. We start getting certain ailments, certain disease, certain sickness. And with Reiki, is just a form of being able to tackle some of these things that are backed up within our body and spirit and just creating slowly chipping away or right away chipping at large chunks of a pool of energy that's blocked kind of like a blocking this little gap of water that's trying to pass through just kind of cleaning out the smud you know nice and easy cleaning it out so you can align your body, synchronize some of that energy, and actually figure out where sometimes tension is really coming from. Sometimes we think we have a shoulder pain, but it's actually fear of moving forward in maybe a particular project in your life. Or this fear you have from, from when you were a kid, this is where it's actually coming from. Or a sciatic pain, maybe it's from that moment that dog bit you, right, when you were a kid and you're having that lower back pain, and you're having a difficult time grounding in that moment because you're going back into kind of that paralysis you're feeling. And sometimes in a session, this is revealed. So sometimes it's not specifically directly where you're feeling that pain, soreness, or tension, or that emotional stress. Sometimes it can come from other places you're not aware of in the moment. And that's really where I assist and, and I come in, right? Sometimes we're inconsistent uh, with ourselves and we're human. We're human. We have life. Life impedes us with a lot of things. And I just help create more consistency to eliminate and minimize that suffering and point out and see, sometimes receive as a channel in the session where some of these inconsistencies may come from. Because then that moment is hard to see. It's hard to acknowledge where you are sometimes. And sometimes you just need a vehicle or another individual to assist. And I guess that was more of a long-winded <laughs> answer. Uh, but as far as how absent healing works is we're all connected to source and the universe. The tree you look at outside is the same tree that we're looking at here. It's all connected. And that's the beautiful thing about tapping into energy. We all have that spiritual DNA. We all have that energy. 
We're all beings of love, in short. We all can access this. And in absent healing, it's just there's certain um, words and, and chants that you can do to activate the spiritual DNA because energy is not tethered to one location, not tethered to one geographical location. You can connect to that spiritual DNA and sessions I will do as a practitioner and a person who really loves creating this container of space. They're just as powerful, if not stronger sometimes. So absent healing can create the same effects as if I was having my hands over you. And that's exactly what it's going to be felt like. My hands are over you based on this spiritual connection and DNA we have. So I, I always like to ask this question because as a former pretty much atheist before my own awakening, yeah. um, I still have and probably will always have a sense of skepticism within me. And, you know, one of my favorite books is uh, The Four Agreements. And the fifth agreement is uh, remain skeptical, but be open to learning, which is why I love hosting this podcast, right? Because I get to, in essence, have experts or, uh, you know, masters at their craft. Let me put it that way, that have put in, that have put in the time and effort to really understand what they love as I'm in my own path of figuring out what I want to do, right? And um, basically pick their brain and, and educate myself. Like I look at it as I'm a college dropout. One of the best decisions I've ever made. No student loans. Um, but <laughs> to me, this is like classes in session. And now I get to learn all about Reiki and then share this with the world. So it's just so beautiful. I guess my question to you as the little skeptic in my heart is, yeah. Do you have to believe in Reiki for it to work? For example, if you if you were to have a, a client who's like, ah, I don't know about this energy healing, you're in New Jersey, I'm in Chicago, you know, for example, like just to share what, you know, my ailment is, like I have epilepsy, but besides that, something that has always bothered me from as long as I can remember is my back. And I used to be a professional dancer. And even when I was dancing, you know, my my posture was better then, but my posture has always been an issue. Like naturally it just, I don't, I don't stand as tall. And so as you were speaking, I was thinking about that. Like, does that have any correlation? But then there's this little part of me like, I don't know. Is, is it really true? I'm not sure. So I'm curious, does Reiki, is there a correlation to the client has to believe in its power that it can yeah. work or does Reiki in your opinion, will it work regardless of the person's belief to it working? Hopefully my question makes sense. Okay. Yeah, no, it does. Um, to answer your question, simply, yes, it, it'll still work. Uh, it, it, it may take time because there's being more resistance, right? More conflict within. So okay. that's also a part of uh, when you do sessions as well, right? Also part of it is the commitment itself to see what experiences you're going to receive for yourself. So it's also the commitment you have for yourself. And how seriously you, you take the self-healing journey for you? Um, are you taking some of the suggestions, some of the recommendations? And back again, you know, how consistent are you being uh, with yourself, with your practice? Aside from me, this is not a, a cure, cure-all, right? This is all about creating uh, 
what they call in uh, aromatherapy too, uh, radiant health. So it's an overall well-being. Reiki is one of many beautiful tools that you can use uh, to to your benefit and really expedite sometimes uh, your, your healing process to an extent. But it's also dependent how committed you are. So I can give you the example and, and sessions I've had, uh, I guess, with certain uh, people who are more conflicted. Or I had a patient recently with uh, someone who lived in, in the corporate world. And this was very new to him, but he did have an open mind uh, to a degree. But you can really feel it in the body. The body fights. And that's what tends to happen, right? Interesting. In sessions, when people are in conflict with this and are really trying to battle and limit themselves from experiencing as much as they, they can truly fully tap into, the body works on overdrive. And my hands wow. were steaming, 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 steaming hot to the point where the client said, did you grab a, a, a warm massage? Because my your hands and where you're located is be beyond body temperature. And the room was steaming, steaming, steaming. And wow. this is just an example of you know, conflict and how much overdrive and body could be. And, and that's called biosin when you're having that much a level of heat or pulsation occurring. And this was coming from the right to mid back where it was having a lot of grief, a lot of difficulty from childhood mm. and, and certain things that occurred, uh, let's say not to get too deeply into it, but certain things that occurred to him. And there was a mm -hmm. lot, a lot of grief, but this, this goes to show you, but every time you have a session, it's exactly what you need. That session just needed to be more physical for him to ground because a lot of us live up here and energy is going to give you what you need. And it's not going to give you anything you, you can't handle. But in that moment, we couldn't move up here or to certain areas of energy because, hey, we need to plant your feet. And that's what my sessions are really, really are. I've uncovered when people come visit me. They come visit me energetically for not only ancestors, that's a different uh, thing as well, to communicate sometimes, but also to ground in this physical world, to plant their feet, to actually acknowledge and identify the emotions they've been piling in and in and identify where they're coming from. To really plant, feel firm, so they can walk and actually feel safe when they go up here. Feel safe if there's chaos because they're standing firm. The tree is firm and rooted. When the wind comes, it's just gonna move along, move along. Now, when you're doing a session, where does that energy go? Do you have to protect yourself or that, that it doesn't go into you? I don't know if that's an odd question, but I'm curious. That is a great question, not an odd question at all. <laughs> um, so where does that energy go? An important thing is I am not doing the work. I have to remove myself. I have to be separate. 
I cannot be in here. I cannot be within myself or be in my thoughts. I have to be purely a view. And that's where the magic happens. That's where the energy actually passes through and allows to be a channel for even more healing, for even more impact. So for me, I have to be constantly in a place of non-existence, a place of, it may sound cliche, but of, of nothingness. I can't. Right. Because you're the vessel. Yes. Yes. And that's where. Right. That makes sense. Things pass. And that's where things don't get attached to me or energetically things don't go through my uh, energy field. Because let's say you have to be really grounded, right? And you have to be the vessel. Let's say, ooh, this may have triggered something in you. And sometimes there's a lot of messages in sessions. They're for the both of us. Mm -hmm. There's messages all the time. But let's say a trigger pop. Whoa, you go in here? Ah, be careful. That energy can latch onto you. You know, be very careful. Right. And it's very important if I was to do sessions with a family member or a loved one, because sometimes, yes, an energy can be tethered and corded and we may latch onto their karma. That's why it, in shamanism, uh, shamans, uh, when they're doing certain plant diets or ceremonies, you abstain from sex because it's a very intimate thing where you intertwine. And when that happens, right? Uh, you can bring your significant other into your ceremony and into your healing. And that can be very murky. Got it. That makes sense now. Okay. You just, yeah, I just had a lot of little mini epiphanies. That makes a lot of sense now. So what would you advise people to look out for when they're looking for a Reiki practitioner or a plant medicine shaman or somebody that they can trust to guide them. Um, obviously, you are a Reiki practitioner, but perhaps you know they're not in New Jersey if they want someone in in person. So, can you give us maybe some some things to look out for uh, to yeah. use discernment? Um, because unfortunately, you know, not not everybody perhaps does it that way. I don't know, you know, and yeah. I know with Reiki and meditation. You can become certified, but there's not really like a board of ethics the way the medical uh, field has. So I'm curious to hear what are what are the standard standard things to look out for so that you're not being taken advantage of or yeah yeah yeah. So what I normally uh, do personally, I, I'm very big on tradition. I'm very big on the integrity and authenticity of being of service and creating this container. So I like to get on the phone. I like to speak. I like to try and face to face along with reading, doing your due diligence. If this is something you're interested in and you want to make a commitment towards and you want to make a commitment to yourself, educate yourself on, on what this is. Try and understand what the purpose of it is, what you may be getting out of it, what expectations you may, you may have after reading and speaking with the person, 
certain things may not align. So it's important to do your due diligence uh, in all honesty. And I always do my due diligence. I'll read. I'll see what I'm getting based what type of vibration energy is, is being communicated and what they're saying. Then on top of that, I'll call. I'll call, video chat. I love, love to feel, feel a lot of this. And that's important. If you feel like certain, your energy is not aligned, if you're not connecting, that's okay. You want to make sure you feel comfortable with the person. And when you're on the phone and you speak to them, you feel it. I remember when I found, when I first spoke to a Reiki Prec master, I was smiling. I was elated. It's like this feeling comes over you. And at the same time, experience a session, at least one. It's very important. I wanted to make sure, right? I'm feeling good. I did my research. Mm -hmm. Let me try out a session. Let me see if this is actually going to be my teacher. Let me see if, if actually this makes sense for us to work together because there has to be that connection, that alignment to really be able to listen and embrace the information and feedback they're, they're going to be giving you. And it's also a very vulnerable thing. Mm -hmm. So do your due right. diligence, speak with them and experience at least one session. And that will allow you to see if it makes sense. If it makes sense for you. Have you ever turned away clients or have you, do you use discernment with, with people as well? If they're maybe, if their expectations aren't, aren't in alignment or if you get, I guess, weird vibes or bad vibes, I'm just curious, or have you just not come across that? Yeah. So, so when I do speak with certain people, I've had moments where depending where the, the individual is, maybe they're in a lot of medication, they're taking a lot of drugs, and they're really, really, really not, not there or present where, oh, this is dangerous. You have to find, find that balance. And necessarily, if, if I don't think it, it fit either, I will also recommend other individuals who say, hey, a specific thing, hey, I'm going to recommend you to this healer who I also know and work with that I trust, right? So yes, if there is that ooh, certain vibration where it's kind of the idea where sometimes there, there's a lot of Reiki being done in hospice, right? Uh, in, in hospice care. Yeah. And depending on the stage, right, to help assist treatment and, 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 and pain, depending what it may be more difficult, right? So there are also certain stages or in. So if there's a person like for example where the stage where he was medically inducing himself, drinking drugs, things like that, oh, it it might be even more dangerous. And that's something I take a step back and maybe recommend or say, hey, we we can't work together. And I think this might not be right. the best fit. And and that's also being honest with me as a, yourself as a healer. I I I don't I'm not going to take on a client or a session where 
even if I'm not feeling in, in the proper state of mind, I have to be in the proper state of mind. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very, very important to be able to discern that uh, 100%. So yes, there, there are moments where I will recommend and say, hey, um, it seems like this, this may not work. Gotcha. So I have a question for you. I know we met through Clubhouse and this is a bit of a, a controversial topic within spirituality, I feel. Um, and I'm curious to hear your point of view on it since uh, you are a practitioner yourself. How do you feel about healers or shamans or anyone that uh, offers a service? How do you feel about people demonstrating that live on a platform like Clubhouse? Um, do you think it's safe? Do you think it's advisable uh, because it's just audio? There is no visual. There's really no vetting involved because it's just a room and someone saying, hey, this is my issue. And a person just says, all right, let me work on you. Um, yeah. What is your opinion on it? And then, yeah, what is your opinion on it? And then I have a yeah, yeah. question after that. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So my thoughts on that, it can be very powerful. Um to hold a session, uh, especially on that platform and utilizing it and, and, and bringing healing on a larger scale. It can be truly, truly powerful. But also, you have to be careful uh, of the energies and how you, you shield and create the space uh, when you are providing that healing and making sure because Sometimes uh, you may be in a session and a lot of things come up, uh, purging, you know, maybe in crying, excessive laughter, mm. maybe in belching, maybe in yawning, maybe in different forms. And oh, wow. depending how you create the space and in the room, it can create certain triggers, correct? So someone who may be in the audience for experiencing that. But at the same time, when you are providing the healing session, it, it's important where, let's say, that energy doesn't move into the person you're providing healing to. Uh, or you have to make sure it's shielded properly. So it can be very powerful. Or the only thing for me personally is it's important to be careful in how you create that space and the energy and, and shields you're creating for that container, for the healing to occur, and for the healing to to occur in in a smooth and, and, and proper way for that individual. Yeah, because I've I've witnessed a variety of different healings, and again, like I said, I'm I tend to be a bit of a skeptic by nature, and but I'm very open minded. You know, um, I'm open to learning, and you know, hey, let's see, you know. And I, I experienced one experience with uh, a healer. And again, I had a very open mind and several people had a very profound experience, uh, or at least so it seems. And another person didn't seem to really have that experience. And it felt a little bit as if that person was gaslighting them. That was the the sense that I got. And it then kind of made me reflect on, you know, could that then turn into a little bit of a spiritual ego of like, mm. could the healer maybe feel embarrassed or feel a sense of like, okay, this isn't working, you know, how, how much of that is at play? And 
it kind of made me feel like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I feel a little bit uneasy about healing on a platform like that. Me personally, I don't think I would ever do it. I I just, I wouldn't feel comfortable. Kind of like what you said, I'd want to, I want it to be in a private container, not so much because I'm embarrassed, but I would want to have that comfort of knowing who I'm speaking to. And also everything that you just mentioned with energy, I feel like because everyone's listening on the platform, isn't, aren't all those energies at play as well, energetically? So in a sense, if that person is giving the healing, wouldn't all those ears listening have an influence in a way? Couldn't that be possible? So I don't know. That's just my kind of my kind of take on it. So yeah, I guess I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Do you think the spiritual ego could flare up and gaslighting could happen? Or what, what are your thoughts? Uh, yeah, so I guess uh, the gaslighting and the spiritual ego... Yes, we're, we're we're human, so <laughs> the ego always comes into play, and 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 that's why I say for me, uh, authenticity and, and tradition is very important. So for me, when I'm creating the space, I'm I am, you know, I, I want I really want to start off with this. You know, what does it mean to create a container of space? What does it mean to hold? space for me it's something sacred is very very sacred and in doing this right this work uh, and we're also human the ego is in sometimes 100 percent but it's very important that in that moment we are providing the heal- healing that the ego is servicing you. You're not servicing the ego. You you are grounded and, and being honest. And sometimes I can't speak for 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 all healers and everyone who who does uh, right. healing. Um, I can only speak for honesty, the, the integrity of when they're actually doing the healing as long as they are maintaining that authenticity, that integrity, the ego is not not in play, but it's very important, very, very, very important that we're honest with ourselves. We're very, very honest with ourselves. And this is why I, as you were mentioning early before, asking me some of the questions with how do you discern certain things? Mm-hmm. I will take a step back. I will take a step back and really sit with myself. And sometimes, I guess on, on this platform, it's, it's okay to, I guess, ask questions how people are, are feeling, what, what emotions are being passed through. Uh, through this process, if that's what we're doing. Uh, and that's just shedding more awareness. So how I hold myself accountable and my ego in check, uh, the spiritual ego, right? <laughs> that was my next question. So <laughs> is, is, um, I have anchors as well. I know I can be an anchor, but I also know I'm human too. And I also know I'm not I don't know everything. And I 
try to be as much as possible the student of life. And because I come with that philosophy and try and pass the integrity of what we're doing and healing and being of service, I always come a place, try to come from a place of not knowing. And because I don't know, I don't have all the answers. I also need other people to check me. And that's being very realistic Ooh. as well. You know, I have friends. I have friends who challenge me. I have friends that will say, hey, you're actually in the wrong here. You're not actually being as compassionate as you thought. And that's where the philosophy comes in sometimes. The philosophy bridging. It's all about bridging. Bridging the spiritual and the physical. This walk is very important. Being human is very important. And being honest with yourself that you are human, you have faults, that you do mess up, allows me to use the extensions that are around me, the tools, and that may be friendship, support, and shedding awareness saying, hey, to my friends, hey, I'm having this issue here. Can you um, make sure I'm being consistent with this? And they'll shed awareness. They'll say, hey, <laughs> you're funny, James. You're not being as consistent. You're not being compassionate here. And that is a huge blow to the ego and all this work that you do, all the work I'm doing. And that's the thing. This is a lifelong journey and maybe many more lifetimes, <laughs> as I like to say, not just this time, but mm -hmm. this is a lifelong process. It's not about just doing the work in that moment. It's about an everyday thing, being consistent with applying with what you preach in, in simple words, right? Actualize and the application of what you're preaching. Walk, walk your walk. Absolutely. Yeah, Talk. I think you pretty much answered uh, my next question. <laughs> We're about to hit the top of the hour soon. And uh, I have two more questions for you. And, and one of them, I feel like you pretty much summarized it, but I would love to hear, I guess, your, your take on it in a, in a few words. What would you say is the meaning of life to you? The meaning of life. <laughs> that is a great question. And something I've been trying to do is be a little bit more intentional or take a step back when sometimes these questions are asked. So um, I'm going to invite you and, and myself to just take a moment to let that breathe, even for both of us, even in the asking of it. Uh, wow. Okay. For me, I would really say, <laughs> as I we're know, talking Steve. about it, no, it's a great question, and, and, and I want to answer it honestly and not just give a response. Because sometimes we're so quick to just give the response. Consistency. Consistency in your authenticity. Because if I have learned through my experiences so far, through sessions, through my journey, through friends, through talking, through philosophy, through clubhouse rooms, people 
are striving to be more consistent. And I've noticed in sessions and all these experiences culminating together, when we tend to be inconsistent, there tends to be more suffering. And in my own journey, this consistency of being honest with myself has led me to actually appreciate the beauty that there is around us because there's a lot of struggle, there's a lot of suffering, and you have to really go through some of those things and really walk. You know, life is beautiful in hindsight, everything's beautiful, but you really have to walk and go through certain places and knowledge and identify certain things within yourself to really admire the beauty what's around you so consistency i love that that's beautiful i'm just taking that in consistency and your authenticity that's that's pretty powerful Whew, well i already know i want to have you back on because <laughs> we're almost at the hour um but i i wanted to uh to touch on aromatherapy uh, and the power of scent, because I know sometimes when I smell something, it brings me right back to a, a moment yeah. in time and space. So I would love to do a part two with you in the future and talk about scents and aromatherapy. And I would love to have a session with you. Maybe we can talk about that session in a part two yeah. in my experience working with you. So I'm just going to throw that out there. So we'll, we'll connect <laughs> after this. But one last question uh, before we wrap up. What are your words of wisdom you want to leave with our audience that have helped you along your journey thus far? Be you, as we were talking before. Uh, be consistent with being you. Be you. Be you. What does being you mean to you? Believe it in your capabilities, believe it in your skills, believe it in what you stand for and, 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 and your values, uh, be you. And I, I guess to summarize again, it, it brings me back to being consistent with your authenticity. Be consistent in being you. Be consistently, authentically you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. That is so amazing. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate you, James. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you. Yeah, I think you're just absolutely awesome. I'm so grateful that we connected. Um, so I know if anybody's interested, you can reach out to James at rainforestdreamsreiki.com. But is there anything else you would like to share? Or is there anything else people should be aware of? Uh, how can they best support you? If you feel called to, you know, just explore the website explore my page uh i will be putting more content up there but just uh really just explore if you feel connected or anything resonated with uh anything we said here today or you need assistance with anything truly just uh reach out uh i'm here and don't be afraid to explore i i, I really want to encourage that uh, explore yourself and who you are Amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. I thank you. you. Yes. <laughs> All right. Till next time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this episode brought you value and perspective. If you are a coach yourself or aspiring to be, maybe you're a healer, tarot card reader, 
mystic, author, or light worker in any sense of the word, if you are looking to get more clarity around how to launch or relaunch your spiritual-based business, perhaps you want to start your own podcast or figure out your core audience, maybe you just need accountability to get the thing done, schedule a time with me at calendly.com slash vibequeen slash map consultation and we can hop on a zoom call and see if working together makes sense i appreciate you sending you so much love and until next time